Hi, Claire. Hello, Vicky. How are you? I'm well, I think. Good. I'd just like to say welcome to the podcast. Really nice to have you on. I know Hello, everyone. <laughs> I know we've been trying to get this uh, organised for a while now, and you had a bit of a problem with your COVID thing, a bit of a reaction to the... Um, oh, yes, the jab, uh, yes, the, yeah. the, the jab led, left me to having a several days of sleep. Really? Did you have a bad reaction to it? I, I, I think I had mine around about the same time you had yours. Yeah. I didn't get anything really, personally. It oh. was... I'm surprised. Lucky you. Um, I know. Mileage varies from what I gather. So... But you're okay now. You've not had any oh, yes. major major symptoms or anything. No. No. No, Excellent. No, no. So you, you live down in Canterbury, don't you? In Kent. I do. In the Garden of England. The Garden of England. I've been down to Kent quite a few times, actually. When mm. we were kids, we used to visit um, Dungeness. Oh, the power station. Yeah. yeah. You know how they've got that um, miniature railway? Yeah. Romney High Dungeness. Yes, that is a fond childhood memory of mine. Yeah. Well, we used to we used to go on that every time we were down there. And the, you know those little in front of the well, parallel to the track, there's some old train carriages which are yep. converted into I don't know holiday homes. Mm -hmm. We used to stay in those. Oh gosh. Yeah, this is going back probably seventies, early seventies. Yeah. So we'd stay in those, and then we'd go. You know, my, my grandfather we used to be with us and we'd go fishing in the middle of the night. He used to put out those, you know, those long lines you put in the sand when the tide's out and you tie yeah. little hooks to them and then mm -hmm. the tide comes in, tag us out, and we end up with like several fish attached to the line. Can't remember what called kind of fishing that's called. But we used oh, to do yeah. that. And then we used to go fishing with the actual fishermen in the yeah. boats uh, uh, lined up on the beach there. Cool. There's some fond memories of Kent down there. We were there actually last year. It was uh, like revisiting our childhood. Much fun. Oh, good stuff. Have you been down there? Um, yes, I've been down there. We're not there. too far from you, is it? No, it's only about 20 minutes drive or so. Um, yeah, I went on the on the, on the, on the trains oh, several times as a kid. But it was yeah. all there and back in a day because it's, well, not far from where I grew up. Not really. Yeah, I went so, to, we went to uh, Hastings as well. That's the first time I've been to Hastings. That was an interesting place. Yeah, it's a it's 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 a pain in the backside to guess who get to is Hastings. It is, it is, and it was it was really busy because it was this was like pre-COVID. It was I think it was twenty eighteen, yep. and it was middle of summer, jam-packed with people, but it, it was just yep. really nice. Oh, it's so, mad. There's some lovely little places around there. Oh, if you oh, go yeah. off the beaten track. Hmm. Yeah, but the uh, the roads aren't really designed for the traffic when they no, get down there. They're not. So you work at um, Christchurch University, Canterbury, don't Can you? Canterbury Christchurch. And yeah. you're a senior systems engineer there. I am. I am. Apparently. So what does that mean exactly? What do you What do you do for the university? Um, I work in the infrastructure team in the IT department where I'm one of two people responsible for all of the Linux-based services. So that's wireless authentication, mail routing, all sorts of stuff. 
all sorts right. of stuff. Um, but yet there's two of us and it, there's enough to keep us very busy. How, how has it been since we've all been in lockdown? Have, have, have things changed quite a bit? Um, well, in many ways, it's not made the slightest bit of difference to oh, me. Right. Because um, apart from working at home. Yeah. Um, I've gone from being in a sort of small dark office at work because of bright light issues to um, being in a corner of my dining room, stroke study, stroke library, stroke junk pile um, at home. Sounds familiar. Yeah. The only real difference is it's bed to desk in 30 seconds. I know. The commute's amazing, isn't it? It's like no yes. commute at all. You can go from bedroom to kitchen to dining room all in about 30 seconds in the morning. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's that's a really good side about the lockdown situation. I mean, I've, I've saved a fortune in travelling. I don't know about you. Um, well, I'm, I only live 15 minute walk from the university. To be oh, quite yeah, honest. Okay. So it's, it's, it, it saved me in shoe leather. <laughs> <laughs> and sandwiches and sandwiches or whatever from the supermarket opposite the yeah. office. So, so have, you not, have you not had to... Um, Kind of sort things out for students connecting online no like i don't have anything to do with that all right. i'm um i'm about as far back as the uh student population as you can possibly get without being the vice chancellor um <laughs> the the joke in the um in amongst my team is if a help desk ticket ever gets assigned to me something has got to be seriously broken oh dear so yeah. I don't get many help desk tickets, which is probably just as well. Have you always worked there? Have you worked there for many years? Um, I've been there 12 years. 12 years, 13 years, something like that. And you, is that your kind of chosen career? You've, you've been doing that for different um, places? Well, I wasn't always into IT. I went to university late at 25. Right. Before that, I was a customs clearance agent down in the local ports, Dover, Folkestone and Ramsgate. Oh, right. I, used, I used to work in all three. Um, each of them had very different IT systems. And I was about the only person in the company I, I worked for who actually knew how to use all three of them. So I just lived in, I pretty much lived in either my car or the office for a number of years. Um, and then at, 1990, at the end of 92, um, when the European trade barriers dropped, um, um, I was made unemployed, redundant, along with everybody else in my, the company I worked for and many other companies. Because there was no more need for checks? No more need for that stuff, um, yeah. which ironically is exactly what they're having to do again now, so because, we're now of in the reverse. because of Brexit. Yeah, now we're so, in the reverse situation. Yeah, and... On the whole, it's exactly the same paperwork now as I feel I had to fill in back then. I could yeah. probably still do them in the sleep. But anyway, so yeah, that, that's where I started off. Um, I was made redundant. I started driving taxis just to give me something to do. Well, I decided what to do with my life. Um, while I was driving taxis, I uh, went to college, took a BTEC in computer studies because I didn't have any single A-level to my name. And, and so that was fun. I used to do, go to uh, the local college, Canterbury College, nine to five every day. And then in the evenings, I used to drive from six to about two or three in the morning, four or five nights a week, uh, um, taxis. 
Well, so um, the joys of youth having the energy to do that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, once I finished my course at the college, I didn't know what to do with myself again. And uh, one of the lecturers at the college said, why don't you go to university? So I said, mm, OK, that's a good idea. <coughs> Excuse me. I ended up at the University of Kent, where I did a computer science degree. And I never really left. Yeah. I did the degree. A job came up in the computing laboratory, um, as it was, and soon became the IT department there, where I worked there for 10 years or so before I moved down to Christchurch, where I am now. Right. So same town, different university. Yeah. So we, you and I met on Twitter, didn't we? And I think it we, would have been 2018-ish. Yeah. It was the yeah, end of 2018. Yeah. yeah, about 2018. About might have been 2017, even if you were on Twitter back then. No, well, I was, but I was in probably in a different um, name and account back then. Because I, I went through that thing where I had several iterations of Twitter accounts. Ah. You know, before I have my before my current one, because I was right. too scared to reveal myself. And um, yeah, so it wasn't until I think it would have been middle of 2018 where I finally stuck with the same account. Okay. And that's when yeah. I met Jess and Nooms online. And I think I met you around the same, the same time. time. Yeah. And I, I right. think that was also the time I met, you know, Nadi too, don't you? Nadine. Who? Nadi, Nadine, yeah. Yeah. Because it was yeah. around that time when I think we all started chatting on Twitter. That's, that sounds right. Yeah. All those silly yeah. things we used I mean, to do. I, I, mean, I was on Twitter before then um, with what is now a completely door with an account that I've actually incredibly rarely used. I think I only ever made about 20 or 30 tweets in the space of about eight or nine years. Um, yeah, I created the Twitter account I've got now in 2017 as a way to um, get in touch with my tribe, I think is the best way to put it. Um, and I've just kept it going ever since. You mean you say that you mean the tribe of trans people? Well, that's how it started off. Yeah. So, and I've just kept it going. Yeah, I, I've noticed on your Twitter account that you are a, a big ZX Spectrum fan. I've seen many posts yes. where you've been taking um, Spectrums apart and rebuilding them and trying to find parts and doing all kinds of weird and wonderful things. Um. Blowing them up mostly. To be um, <laughs> Is that a bit of a hobby? <laughs> fixing things up like that. Sorry. Is that a bit of a hobby for you? Um, well, not in 2017 when my life was going pear-shaped. Um, a piece of advice I was given by uh, someone who turned out to be immeasurably more sensible than I am said, "Get a hobby. Get a mm. hobby that you've not really done before. Just." get a hobby to give yourself something to focus on. And yeah. so I ummed and ahed and whatnot for quite a while. And then I thought, I know, I've got a spectrum in storage somewhere. I'll pull it out. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'll drink water. So I pulled it out and it didn't work. And so I scratched my head and I took the soldering iron to it, not having a clue what I was doing probably blew it up as you do um but it scratched the itch shall we say so yeah. i then started um pulling in 
buying dead one or bought a couple of working ones off of eBay and the local retro shop. He doesn't really do spectrums and it slowly went from there. From pretty much nothing to um, I don't actually know how many spectrums I have at the moment. I remember seeing one picture you posted up on Twitter. There must have been at least 15 of them in one picture. I think, I, I mean, I did a count up about a year ago, and I think there's at least 50 there then. 50? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Wow. So you, you were buying them off eBay for, for spare parts? I was buying them off eBay. Some of them new, some of them dead. Um, I was getting them from the local retro store. Um, I've got a few friends locally who've been keeping an eye out and what else. They just kept trickling in. Some worked, some didn't. Some were used as parts um, to fix other ones. Some got yeah. blown up. They're all sitting in a box <laughs> because they can all be repaired. I know a whole lot more about them now than I did back then. When, um, when, I, got... when exactly were Spectrums originally made? What year was that? Um, 82 they came out. They and was, was there a range of models? Or was it just kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They came out in 82. Um, there was the Dead Flesh Rubber Keyed model, um, which originally came in 16K. Um, <laughs> this whole 16 kilobytes of RAM, it's amazing. I know, it's amazing. Um, uh, uh, it came Anything out of and the, four, yeah, um, the 48K one came out at the same time. And you could upgrade the smaller 16K one to 48K if you wanted. Um, Sinclair made them themselves until mid to late 86, thereabouts, when he sold the company to Amstrad, who carried on producing Spectrums up until sometime in 1993. Okay, so it was it was Sugar, Lord Sugar, who took it over. That's the one. Oh, yeah. right, I didn't realise that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he took it over, slapped a cassette deck on the side, and uh, and a half decent keyboard to be to give them credit where it's due, and uh, they carried on selling like hotcakes. Yeah, I mean, we did have one when we were kids, but yeah. I don't re I don't really remember what we did with it. I think it just sat there, and we didn't yeah. do much with it. We probably um, played a few silly games on it, like the the yeah. tennis game or something like that. But yeah, yeah, we didn't yeah, well, use it. Yeah, well, Clive, Clive's intent when he brought them out was to um, that they'd be business machines. And the um, famous, depending on which circles you're in, quote goes, I bought, but he produced these machines to, to, for business stuff. And all that happened to us, the kids were playing, as he put it, jet set fucking willy. So <laughs> <laughs> go yeah. figure. Um, I don't think... I mean, certainly then, I don't think he realised what a seismic impact it had on yeah. the youth, shall we say. It wasn't just playing games. There were a whole generation of people in their 40s, 50s and 60s now who were introduced to computers because of Clive. Yeah, absolutely. And if you put the Raspberry Pi to one side, it's, the best, it's still the best-selling computer in Britain. They sold about five million altogether. Wow. That's, a, that's an amazing fact, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah. So, and then yes. they, how did it, when did it kind of come to an end with Spectrums? Um, what, for me or in general? No, I mean, what did, what did Why Sugar did they stop? do? Was it when Sugar's kind of business thing um, closed no, down? No, that wasn't Sugar's, it wasn't Sugar. The Spectrum stopped in 92 because they just weren't selling anymore. 
technology had moved on. Yeah. People so is that a... jump... Sorry, go on. People were either buying consoles because the NES was out there and the Sega Master System, mm. I think it was. And they were either doing that, they were buying Amigas, STs, or in my case, I bought a PC. So. And when was it when the BBC did a computer? Same time. Same yeah. time as Sinclair did. Because I can remember those being introduced when I was at college at the yeah. time. They had BBC computers and they were doing yeah. really kind of basic courses on them. Mm. But it wasn't for me. It wasn't until much later on, probably 95, 96, when I got my first laptop. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, up until then, I'd only ever used computers at work very, for very minor exactly. things. You know, it's, uh, yeah. it's amazing how it kind of took off. From that point, and now, and now, none of us can do without a computer in some form or another. Can't live without them. No. And you've also been doing lots of repairs on other kinds of things too, haven't you? Like I noticed, you recently rebuilt a, a typewriter. Oh yes, there was um, a couple of films I can remember seeing way back when. Um, one of which is one of my absolute favourite films. It's the um, the Killing Fields. Um, it's uh, it's a story about a journalist and his assistant who's Cambodian out in Cambodia in the 70s when they had the Cultural Revolution out there. And there's several scenes in there where this journalist is bashing away on this typewriter. And I never knew what it was, but I always I was always taken by the design of this thing. And a few weeks ago, I just happened, as whilst randomly surfing the net as one does, identified a model. I thought, excellent, now I know what I can go and get. And uh, I went looking round. You can buy them new, fully, well, not new, because they're not made anymore. You can buy them refurbished and whatnot for the best part of 200 quid if you want. Or you can buy them in not very good condition at all um, for 30, 40 quid. Well, so I did, the, I, did, I did the latter and uh, promptly took it to bits. Which now, is these these typewriters, the the the, the Olivetti's, aren't they? It's an Olivetti Lettera Twenty Two. Now, is that is that a well-known particular model that um, has been kind of featured? Designed, it was designed by oh, I can't remember who it was now. An Italian, amazingly enough, um, in nineteen fifty, um, right. and it was a, it wasn't the first proper compact, but it was. It was just a, such a design and build quality and all the rest of it. It ended up pretty much straight away in the museums of modern art. Yeah, so I mean, it's a classic. New... It's the classic mobile it's just a classic typewriter, design. isn't it? It comes in a little bag. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's Perfect for journalists, design. I suppose, at the time. It was, yeah. But it's not that heavy. It's only just about three and a half kilos, something like that. Yeah, so you, you, you basically took this thing to pieces. Took this thing. I, I didn't take it all to pieces, all in one go, because there's about three or four thousand parts. Yeah, I mean those sure. those things are pretty complicated. I mean, how um, how would you even put it back together? You need that to... way. That way would lie madness. So no, I was taking. <laughs> I, I took it apart in in sections. So I extracted the carriage from it and took what I needed off of that, yeah. and then just enough to clean the well the crap out of it. To be quite honest. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of like years clean, of clean, dirt in clean there. the crap out of it, 
really thoroughly. Um, methylated spirits is great for for removing gre old grease and so on. Yeah. It's also good for getting high on if you're doing it in a warm room <laughs> when you've got the heating on because it's cold outside. Mm. Um, which is probably why it felt like a good idea at the time to take the thing apart. Yeah, the, the idea got better and better as you're doing it, probably. So, yeah, I took it apart in bits and pieces, um, managed to get it vaguely working, and then finding out what was wrong with it, things that didn't work, and just slowly went around investigating, cleaning, and so on and so forth. Um, and then once I got it done, I was actually quite pleased with it, but the paintwork on it, the pictures I put up on Twitter, don't show either the back or the side where the paint has peeled off and is flaking is in terrible condition. So, of course, I promptly got some really strong chemicals and took the paint off as well. So you took it back down to the base material, the base yeah. metal, and you just yeah. left it like that? Yep. And I like it like that. I mean, I've seen the pictures on, on. I think you put it on, was it Facebook? Yeah, Twitter, Facebook. Twitter, yeah. yeah. It, it does look really nice, the finished I'm, article. Yeah, I'm really pleased with it. It works really well. So you're obviously um, going to keep it. You're not going to sell that, are you? Sorry? I, I guess you're going to keep that. You're not going to sell it. Um, no, I've got no intention of selling it. Perhaps there's perhaps there's one great novel in me somewhere. Hey, yeah, you never know. That would be the ideal yeah. thing to do, I wouldn't it? Yeah, Could perfect. inspire you to uh, write something. Could. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, I actually took a note of the, of the the designer. It was Marcelo, is it Nazioli? That's it. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. So Italian guy, but it was actually manufactured and put together in the UK. <coughs> um, the one I've got, yes, it was made in Glasgow. Um, That's interesting. Olivetti had Olivetti had factories all over the place. They had they there is an Italian there was an Italian factory, a Brazilian factory, and so on and so forth. So. Yeah, they must have sold millions of them because they were making it for what, 15, 20 years, something like that. Yeah, so any, any budding writers out there, authors out there, Yeah. It, I mean, that's the kind of thing to get. I mean, there's no, it's, it's totally mechanical. There's no electrical content to it at all, is it? It's all, yep. yeah. Yep. Just go and hide away somewhere, you know, on yeah. a beach or something and type away. I expect people do. Yeah, but I'm sure they're still used. Yeah. Yeah, like I think it's a very pure form of writing. Yeah, indeed, really is. You're also a bit of a gamer, aren't you? Or you started um, to become one. I bought an Xbox about a year ago and promptly ignored it. <laughs> um, as one does. And in was, this a, was this a lockdown thing? No, it was before lockdown. It was, a, it was just one of those, I fancy getting an Xbox. Yeah. I did the what same things. thing, but it was so in I, middle of the year. Yeah, so that is around Christmas time, just maybe just after Christmas. So I got this fig and I fired it up, and I had no idea what any of this stuff like game passes and all I know, it's it. a bit complicated. And I don't know any friends locally who's got on it, who've got an Xbox, and so I didn't really know what to do or not. So I ignored it, and then I suddenly realised um, around Christmas time, just gone that um, it came with the Star Wars Fallen Jedi game as a code for it. So I loaded that up and had an absolute while of a time. Uh, it's about all I did apart from work for about two weeks to play this game. <laughs> the highly addictive, took, aren't it, 
it took me two weeks because I am so bad at gaming. Oh, I'm I'm the same. I was I was I, I got one in the middle of a lockdown and it was it was really Jess and Nooms who kind of persuaded me to get one. And we yeah. so I got this thing. I'd never gamed before in my life. I never thought I would game. But I got this thing and I started playing Fallout seventy six and I'm absolutely addicted. I've been playing it ever since. Cool. It's uh it, it's great. You know, it's what, what so what games have you been playing on that? Well, I played Apparently. and finished Fallen oh. Jedi. Um, yeah. yeah, and the other thing I've really been playing on the thing is um, Forza Horizon. Right, that's a racing thing, isn't it, cars? Yeah, that's it. Oh, I'm rubbish at that as well. Well, I'm better than I was. So it recognised the other day, but I don't. But I beat it. But I start. But I was starting to win on Granny mode. So it's moved <laughs> me up to teenage hooligan mode. I think. Yeah. Um, I think after that it's golfer and then Jim Clark or some such. I mean, the other thing I, I was think... playing with uh, was golfing with friends. That's quite fun. Oh. Golfing with friends, yeah. Monopoly, um, Fallout 76. And then there's a few other things I can't remember the names of, but they were kind of, they weren't really games, they were kind of quests where you kind oh, of, right. yeah, they're quite good, really good fun. Yeah. I, I, was, I was looking for a flight simulator, but I'm not sure if that's on there, is it? Is there it's not there it? yet. It's not there yet. Because most I people who it's... play that, they do it on PCs, don't they? Yeah, I think they have to. I, I installed it on my laptop, funny enough, about a week or so ago. And <laughs> it runs like a ruptured slug on my laptop, to be quite honest. So. Yeah, you've got to have a proper machine for that. I've, I've got the memory in the processor. I don't have good enough graphics on the thing. That's yeah, my, well, my, my laptop's about 10 years old, so it doesn't even run games. It's, you know, it's, ah. it's yeah ancient technology so you 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 are sorry don't go so i was going to say you're you're a trans woman that's how we know each other um yes i was just wondering could you just tell us a little bit about your transition story and you know when when was it that you first realized there was something not quite right okay and uh you know how did you how do you do how do you deal with that okay well if four years ago you'd have told me that i was going to be single divorced renting a flat living alone and and by the way i'm trans um i'd probably laugh my ass off to be quite honest four years ago i had no idea um through some stuff going on at work around health rounds and all the rest of it um the union rep said to me look you need to sit down and think about some of this stuff and you need to think about identity and so on so that was yeah. in 2016 and so when you're instructed to do something like that was need deep thought and all the rest of it i didn't bother um it wasn't until 2017 um the second may bank holiday weekend where I had a couple of days to myself. The wife was away for a few days. Um, I just had some time. And I sat there on the sofa in the middle of the afternoon and started looking at identity and stuff like that. And as is the way with the internet, if you start looking for how to grow carrots in the garden, if you look, if if you go looking for long enough, following random rinks and so on, your next thing you know is you're putting a dog on Mars. 
<laughs> We've all done it, and you could never retrace those steps. Yeah. Um, and I ended up reading um, Juliet Jack's blog diaries on the Guardian website. Right. And as I was reading this, little alarm bells were just going off in my head. And I eventually sat and read all of the articles on the website. And quite honestly, I didn't know what was going on. My head was just exploding. That's the best way I can put it. I just, I thought I was dying. I think um, it was like, whoa. I looked around and I just looked at my cat. He was sat next to me. Uh, well, I just looked at him and he looked at me and I just said, oh, shit, Claude, I think I'm a girl. And it was very much a whoa moment. And of course, my mind's going mad. Memories are coming back from all, from the long distant past and so on. Stuff which was long forgotten and so on. And in hindsight I'd always known that something wasn't quite right yeah. and that was the best way I could put it I had no idea um, not that I was trans I just knew something wasn't quite right didn't know what it was and had no way to articulate it and so it was a bit of a shock um yeah i mean hindsight as the memories come back knowing what we know now the clues were always there should we say it was couldn't see the wood for the tree syndrome um so what you were reading was kind of making you realize certain things about your life yeah yeah there was just kind too of, much in a light bulb moment oh yeah absolutely I'm not sure about light bulb. I think more like a nuke going off. <laughs> it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a shocker um, to put it to put it mildly. Yeah. And did so, you did you know what to do with that knowledge that you'd kind of discovered at that point? Did you know how to um, do it? In, initially, no. I mean, I literally burst into tears. And the next thing I knew, it was about half nine, ten o'clock at night. So I could I was crying for hours. And then, of course, I was in a state of shock. Um, I had random memories from the past coming back, and I was just completely frank. I had no idea. You, it, it came from nowhere almost. I mean, it's one of those things where once you open Pandora's box, you just can't uh, let it get out. Yeah, that's it. There's nothing you can do about it. And I went from. I became insomniac. I became incredibly stressed. I didn't. I just didn't know what to make of it, and so I did what I guess a lot of people do, which was start. You hit Google, or there are other search engines are available, folks. Um, <laughs> I went googling and reading up about trans stuff, trans healthcare, and all the rest of it, because I had no knowledge of any of this. Yeah. You didn't. You didn't grow up with knowledge of stuff. I mean, I was. Um, no, I mean we're we're of a similar age. So I mean, if, if you yeah. think back to the seventies, eighties, yeah, there was really no I mean, information, was there? It was. No, it was I mean, of, I was born in um, nineteen seventy, 
from right. about 82, 83 onwards until I left school. So 87, 88 ish, I think. Yeah. Um, I delivered newspapers and I saw every single news headline on every single paper. Um, and of course, the AIDS crisis is kicking off. Yeah. And all of our favorite rags were doing the gay ship shot, gay ship be sent to sent to camps it's a sin and all the rest of it mm -hmm. and then just to add a bit of curveball in every now and again you'd get one of them on sunday doing something like oh civil servant colin is really sex change caffeine into kinky sex yeah that's um, typically exactly what those news stories were back then exactly they were all very negative and they were all very you know, sex change. Exactly. We've never had anything good to say about the individuals. Oh, it was always scandal. Exactly. You know. Exactly. And that's not exactly helpful. So there's all this going off. Um, sex education, what there was of it at my school was literally how to make or not babies. Yeah, there was that no was traditional it. information. There's no talk about sexuality or gender. And this was no. pre-section 28. You just mm -hmm. didn't do that. Yeah. And I was incredibly confused through that period because of puberty and so on. Incredibly confused, but I didn't know why. I was also incredibly cross, incredibly angry, and so on and so forth. And so I've got puberty going on and all of the stuff which happens with that. Um, and I didn't care about my body or anything else. I'd always been completely ambivalent to it. Um, I had my parents getting divorced at the same time and we had the age stuff going so everything all going on at once it was very easy for everybody including myself to say the reason that i was incredibly cross angry stressed unhappy yada 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 was because my parents were getting divorced well you know lots of parents were getting divorced yeah, I mean, no, yeah. but m mine were, and it, it truly upset me very, very yeah. deeply. Yeah. And it, all the identity stuff, and all the rest of it, it just never occurred to me. Not until, well, just under four years ago. Yeah. So did, did, did you go through a period where you were, I mean, you, you didn't really have the light bulb moment until 2016, 2017. So did you... Yeah. Yeah, did you did you go through a period of where you were living in the closet, or did that not really apply? Um, I very quickly got hold of two very trusted friends of mine from university days. Yeah. Um, who are very clued up on this sort of stuff? Who are mm. on the LGBT LGBT spectrum themselves? Yeah. And said, I don't know what's going on, but I need help, and they listened to me. Because at that point, I was incredibly stressed. I was terrified, absolutely terrified of everything. Um, and I certainly hadn't said anything to, to my wife. Hello, dear, by the way. Yeah, I mean, yeah it's not an easy conversation. No, 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 it wasn't going to happen. Not, not at that point. So for the first two or three weeks, I talked to these two close friends. And I did lots of reading and finding out about it and all the rest of it. And that was about it. And then I got to a point where my stress levels were only increasing. I wasn't sleeping. I was get, 
I was getting no more than two, three hours sleep a night at one point. And yeah. even the wife had noticed that there's something wrong at that, at that point. And she said, look, go and see the doctor. See what she says. And so okay, I said, okay. So I um, sat and thought about it and what else. And so I wrote down pretty much what I've just said in the last five, ten minutes, whatever it's been to you, um, in writing. And I made an appointment to see my GP. And uh, she wants a drink. And so I went up to see her. And she did the uh, usual, how can I help you today? Yeah. And I said, it's going to be easier if you read this and handed her two sheets of A4 paper. Right. She read the first couple of paragraphs, looked at me and said, I've got to make a quick phone call. And she phoned through to the reception and she said, I've got one more patient I'm due to see today. I'm going to be rather tied up with the one I've currently got. Um, could you um, offer them a tea or a coffee and see if they will see another GP and get another GP to see them? Otherwise, they get they might have a fair wait. Yeah. So, my, I mean, my GP was fab. Um, so, I, I mean, there... it sounds like she was ready for a, a proper conversation with you. Um, well, she read through the thing and all the rest yeah, of it. Yeah. And um, pretty much at the end of it, it said um, something along the lines of, I can't work out if I'm going mad, having a midlife crisis, or I've got gender dysphoria. Right. And she said, okay, She's she read it. She put it down. She looked at me and she said, don't worry. I'm with you on this. I said, okay, then, so which is it? She said, well, you're not mad because nobody who's mad goes to the doctor and says i'm mad and is then proven to be mad true she Good said point. she said you tend to end up in she said you tend to end up in a nut house involuntarily at that point yeah. you realize you're mad when you're in the padded room i said okay she said so you can rule that one out i said okay and then she said um have you considered doing something like getting a sports car and then going around chasing young boys girls or whatever takes your fancy i said um no, it's never occurred to me. She said, okay. She said, you're probably not having a midlife crisis either. I said, right. I said, that leaves, um, she said, yes. She said, I wouldn't be surprised if it's that. I said, right, so what happens now? She said, well, I'm going to be honest. She said, I'm going to put you on the suicide list for this practice. She said, I want to see you every two weeks until I know you're safe. She said, I'm going to get you in to see the practice counsellor. And... I'm also going to do a referral to the, to the gender clinic in London. Yeah. I went, right, but what we don't know. She said, look, the weights are ridiculous. She said, let's get referral in now. She said, if it turns out you don't need it, that's fine. We can cancel it. If it turns out you do and we wait, then you're going to have even longer to wait. Yeah. I said, okay, fair enough. So, yeah, she did the paperwork. I think it was either the first appointment I saw or, or two weeks later. So this is going on. I'm quietly exploring things, talking with two or three close friends who understand a lot of this stuff and all the rest of it. And yeah, it's only it got to a point where it felt like I knew where it was going to end. I just didn't know how I'm going to get there. A bit like that point when you're sort of in the cinema watching a film and you know how it's going to end. Yeah. 
but you don't yeah. want to help. Uh, you don't want to, the yeah. entertaining bit is the entertaining bit is the story itself. Hmm. Um, so yeah, for several weeks this carried on, and then it got to a point in July. I was just incredibly stressed by it all. I still wasn't sleeping, even with sleeping tablets, and I decided before I needed to get out of my system and uh, tell the wife. Yeah. Um, let's say the conversation didn't go well. And it's probably, um, yeah, let's just say it didn't go well and leave it at that. How is your mental health at this point? At that point, I was just incredibly stressed all the time. I, I don't think I've ever been as stressed as I have in my life. There I am going around with this massive great secret. Yeah, so you, you were at still seeing point, the GP on a, every two I'm weeks? I was still seeing a GP. I was seeing a counsellor. Um, Oh, you, my, my, my counsellor said to me, said, if you haven't already done so, you need to do some experimentation. Yeah. Uh, I said, right. She said, look, there's going to be what, what, it's probably going to be one of three effects. And paraphrasing slightly, because this is my story. Um, she said, the first effect, I said, uh, the first effect was going to be other, like a, a fat middle aged bloke in a dress. Mm -hmm. um, she said, uh, in which case I probably want to join the local amateur dramatic society and be Widow Twanky at Christmas. <laughs> um, the second option was it's going to be a really big turn on, in which point a discussion with the wife about the bedroom related activities was in order. Or it's going to feel like the most natural thing in the world. Yeah. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out which of the three it is. <laughs> Yeah, obviously the last one. Yeah. Um, and so with the wife finding out and all the rest of it, um, and not being sure where it's going to go, I managed to get hold of the equality and diversity people at the university where I work, uh, particularly in the staff network. Uh, just have a chat, to be quite honest. Um, I managed to get hold of the woman who runs the local support group and talked about stuff. And I still really didn't really under, I mean, I understood this stuff sort of intellectually about some people, trans and all the rest of it. Um, but I, it, it still hadn't clocked at me at that point that how much it really was me. Um, I kind of knew, but didn't. It took me a, a, a few months to properly accept it. So you'd, um, had, you'd had the conversation with your wife, which didn't go well. It, it didn't go well. Um, that, to be honest, was about the last proper conversation I ever had with her. Right. I'm, I'm assuming that was kind of the start of the, the end to the, that relationship. Yes, yes. Which is um, really shy. I mean, we'd known each other about twenty years at that point. Yeah, I mean, been married, been married for a good number of them. Um, yeah, I mean, that, it normally goes one of two ways with, you know, 
wives, husbands, when they're told this piece of news, yeah, you know, it's either you, you either get a very, very supportive reaction or it goes the opposite way. There doesn't seem yeah. to be much, yeah, um, between those, I don't think. I, I lived in hope, but for, yeah, I lived in hope, but prepared for the worst, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't, then, you didn't, you don't have any kids, do you? No, no. So there was no which kids is, to tell. Which, which uh, made things less complicated. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about what about other family members? Did you... Well, my mum died well, 14, 15 years ago. So telling her was a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Um, my father had dementia at the time. and He didn't even know who he was most days, let alone who anybody else was. <sighs> um, and he died in 2018 anyway right so and that is about uh, there was a brother i told my brother he was he was really supportive to start with but he, at that time he was living in america right he might still live there for all i know thinking about it he's supportive in, in a well let me know if there's anything i can do and all the rest of it okay, kind of in, a, in a distant exchange, way exchange the exchange your email and all the rest of it yeah and then after after my father's funeral, that's it. I haven't heard from him since. So nothing in three years. Yeah, it's coming up to three years. Wow. Yeah. Difficult. Yeah. So that's about it. But you've had you've had great support from the university. The university, fantastic. I um, I saw the equality and diversity officer. Yeah. And told her, and she was okay. And she was like, "Okay, do you want me to tell HR and all the rest?" Of it? And I'm like, "No, not yet. I'll uh, do it when I'm ready." And she said, "Okay," but she put me in contact with various people who could help, or reassure me, or to talk to, and so on. And that was good. Um, and then things got a little bit more complicated. I was away on a. Uh, I'll just come back off of annual. I'll away on annual leave. Uh, it, was an, it was an exciting summer. There's a combination of um oh, excuse me a combination of my father dying me being on towards the time that's it i was on annual leave um and i received three different messages from three different immediate work colleagues saying to me that they'd heard some interesting gossip about me right um what i hadn't mentioned is my wife at the time worked for the university Oh. In a different department, in the same building, but she still worked at the university. And so I had three different messages from three different people saying, that's some interesting gossip. Um, don't know if there's any truth in this, but just thought you should know. But, All right, okay. This is while I'm on annual leave. A few days later, my father died. And I ended up contacting my manager and saying, I need to book a meeting with you on Friday when I'm back in the area. Um, you need to arrange for yourself, HR, and the Equality and Diversity Manager to be there. I'll give you the details at the time. Right. And she said, okay, she said, I'll get it sorted. Yeah. Um, which is good, which is a good thing. So come the Friday, I've gone into this meeting. And, and all I told him was it was about stress. And I've gone into this meeting. I'm sitting there, the ND of managers there, representative from HR is there. 
And he said, okay, he said, I know you called the meeting. He said, but can I tell you what I know? Because all I know is this meeting is about stress. I said, sure, Andy. And he said, right, he said, um, getting divorced? I said, yes. He said, um, you're living in a friend's spare room? Yes. Your house is up for sale? Yes. You've had to rehome your cats? Yes. Your dad died two days ago? Yes. He said, well, I'm not surprised you're stressed, he said. I mean, anybody would be with any one of those things, let alone all of them at once. He said, no. I'm surprised you've not gone mad. And I said to him, yeah, there is this one more thing, which is why I've asked for this meeting. He went, all right. And so I just told him. And he sat there. And he looked, He sat there and he paused for just for a few seconds just to process it. They turned around and said, right, okay, what can we do to help? Yeah, well, that's that's a great response. Which is the right answer. Yeah. And the university were fantastic. The university were fantastic. And I pointed out in this meeting, but the reason I called it was because I've been contacted about gossip going around. And the, the lady from HR, she said to me, okay, what do you want to do about this? I said, well, I've been thinking about this. I said, I can either ask you to kick my wife's backside she said uh, for doing what she's done but that's no, all that's going to do is achieve is make her more cross and more angry and not stop the gossip because yeah. it's already going yeah. around it's already yeah. out i said we do that i said we could do nothing but then the gossip will keep on going but with chinese whispers starting off with their trans their transgender could turn into anything um i said you don't um, don't want to go that route she said, no. I said, you have the option if I could own it. She said, oh, yeah, face it, straight, face it straight on and just, yeah. She said, okay, what do you want to do? I said, I'll send an email out on Monday. She said, okay. Yeah. Not a problem. She said, CC us in when you do. Um, and that's what I did. I sent out an email. It, it pretty much said, um, I've heard there's some interesting gossip going around around me um the, here's the facts i have gender dysphoria i'm i don't fully understand it i'm getting help help that sort of stuff um yada 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 at some point i will be changing identity um and you'll get more information as need be in due course that was pretty much all i sent um and I said, an FAQ were frequently asked questions of NHS and WHO definitions of what it means to be transgender, all the obvious stuff. Um, sent it off, shrugged my shoulders and went for lunch. Came back from lunch and in my mailbox there was replies from a few of my colleagues and whatnot saying, okay, good stuff, no problem. Looking forward to meeting the real you. Um, work was fabulous all very positive responses it was i mean hr were great i ended up yeah. um being passed on to uh, the person at the time was the deputy director of hr and she said to me she said look we've got processes and procedures and policies and all sorts of stuff she said it hadn't been years she said what we haven't had is a need to test them until so you were the first she said you're the first person that i know of in 15 years well, that I've been here, she said, to transition. She said, I can't guarantee we're going to get it right all of the time. She said, 
so we'll work with you on this one and get try and do our damnedest to get it right yeah so they had trans trans transition at work policies in place and yeah all they that had, kind of stuff yeah yeah but it never been tested yeah very similar um, situation when i went through it at work I, I was the first in my office yeah so you kind of pipe clean the process as you're actually going yeah. through it yeah yeah i mean there's other trans people at the university they just never had anyone transition whilst employed there but there must have been probably quite a lot of trans students so the university well, would have been yes yeah but member of staff is somewhat different to a student yeah but at least they're not completely you know oh no i mean um, the trans people themselves weren't an issue someone transitioning from one yeah. to the other yeah um was something that they just not had to deal with certainly as a member of staff mm -hmm. yeah um, so so that was so you, you you kind of went through the process and did the yeah. transition at work and so started came to yeah. your first day i transitioned in november 2018 yeah so what was your what was your first day at work like what you it was just a normal day yeah It I remember was just a normal when... day. It was just a normal day. It was, I mean, I got dressed and all the rest of it, put my face on, walked to work. Nothing yeah. happened. So everybody but was expecting this. It was all prearranged. It was all prearranged, but I would take the week off before as annual yeah. leave. Yeah. Um, which I did. Uh, I didn't show up on the Monday and carry on. Um, yeah, it just worked. Yeah. There was no real so, did the did the university kind of have sessions with some of your colleagues beforehand just, just to no every, of member, tell them what every, every member of staff when they are recruited gets sent on a okay, so induction the, induction day so right part of so which the, includes they're already pre, diversity stuff yeah. right so they're pre-trained on this yeah so no, right, it sounds fine. like it sounds I, like I had a, a great a great kind of work related yeah, transition. I, I mean I mean yeah I mean on the whole it was fantastic. There were a couple of, there, there was one minor foul up. I mean I was supposed to be transitioned excuse me on the Thursday. Mm. So I'm going to work normally as as him if you like Monday to Wednesday yeah. and then show up as her on Thursday. Yeah. That was the plan. Come Monday the senior director senior person from HR came to see me said look given the time in a month and all the rest of it she said we can arrange your payslip to come out in your new name for the end of the month if you like well that's great would you like that I said well yeah if it can be done sure of course so off she went and off she went and did and she said okay she said I'll get the ball rolling yeah so she's done that I've gone for lunch this is on a Monday come lunchtime well, I've come back, I've got to my office, and the manager appeared about 10 seconds later. And he said, don't bother trying to log in. I said, why not? And he said, HR have changed your data. All right. I said, yeah, to sort the payroll out. He said, yeah. He said, what do you think they've, what he said, what they've forgotten, and you probably didn't realise, is it's a single source of staff data, which means that's data about you there has propagated around to other stuff because all of our systems are interlinked at university. Yeah, so it populates through, through effort, all your systems. And so, and so stuff was cascading around all over the place with yeah. changes and all the rest of it. And it all did what it should do on the whole, except because of my job, my accounts are a little bit different to the average user's account. 
right. with extra permissions and all the rest of it. And he just, my manager turned around to me, he said, we've got a choice. We can either get HR to roll it back and then fix everything, or you can live with it and we spend all day, rest of the day fixing up everything that's now broken for you because of permissions issues and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we just went with it. Yeah. And then, of course, I burst into tears about 10 minutes later because I was really hacked off, to be quite honest, at the time. Um, I'd been ambushed pretty much, quite by accident. And HR came down, suitably apologetic, and all the rest of it. And I just walked, and I accepted their apology, and I walked out. I, I stayed at home for until Thursday because um, I was stressed be quite honest i didn't expect to be ambushed quite like that and to be fair hr hadn't realized that was going to happen and it was just a massive well foul up um yeah i, I mean no, it, it issues deliberate or malicious mm. and all the rest of it it's just the complexity of the underlying systems are just yeah. made things ridiculous i mean I'm, I'm still having problems with it stuff you know today you you know a year and a half later at work you know, yeah. there's, still, there's still some systems which haven't been updated. There's, there's systems with customers which haven't been updated. So every now and again, you know, something come, I come across something that's not been done. But it, it's very difficult because it, it kind of filtrates, you know, your information filtrates into all kinds of things. Yeah, and, I mean... Yeah, to, to get them all updated quickly and at the appropriate time, yeah, it, it can be a bit tricky yeah. in the IT well, world. Unfortunately for me, the whole lot happened in the space of about 25 minutes. Yeah, Broke before I should have. Director. It, it just happened to break all sorts of other things which I need access to. Yeah, could have been handled better, content. And so we had to deal with that internally in the department. It was just one of those things. I guess, um, you, you know, with you being with the first one to use the process, I mean, they've, they've probably learned yeah. from that. And if anybody following yeah. you, you can, you know, yeah. they're not going to have that issue. Well, with we just met any other member of staff, they wouldn't have had the issue anyway. No, because most people change don't change the first name, and that's where a lot of the issues come from. Well, no, well, my login changed, my email address changed, everything changed. Yeah, it's just the way the data works and all the rest of it, and the permissions and rights I've got because of my job, my job role. It just my account ended up in a mess all over the place. On the important HR systems, it wasn't an issue. I was fine there, the pension, payroll, all that sort of stuff. They were fine. That wasn't the yeah. problem. The problem was all the stuff I needed to actually do my job. Right. Uh, anyway, it, was, it all got fixed. I was edge case amongst edge cases. Yeah. I mean, yeah, IT issues apart aside. I mean, it sounds like you had really it was It was great fine. Support. It was fine. They've been fabulous. How how were things with your your GP? I mean, you said earlier that your GP was very um, supportive, yeah. and did they did they do the the referral for you to the was it to the London? Clinic? Yeah, was that yeah, Charing they, Cross? They, yeah, they did the yeah. referral to Charing Cross within a couple of weeks of me initially seeing my GP. It was very quickly done in the summer of seventeen. Yeah, and have you ever heard have you heard from the Charing Cross yet for your first? Well, appointment? I. I think I'm the exception case on this one. Um, I had my first appointment in 2018 in the summer. All right, that was quite quite quick. Really quickly, which completely threw me. Yeah. And I've gone up there to see them, and I've gone with myself. I stayed in the hotel the night before, so I didn't get forced into using public transport and changing Mm -hmm. the toilet and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, I've gone up there. I had my first assessment, and I said to the chap who's doing it, I said, um, don't take this the wrong way. I've been told to wait to see you guys for years. And he said, it is. He said, he said, what happened? He said, I cancelled two weeks annual leave, and they just started pulling in the next batch of patients. So, which is why you happen to got seen, get seen early, right? Effectively early. She said, he said, you just have to be in the right place on the right list at the right time. Because so I cancelled annual leave. Right, so it just kind of fell perfectly for you. Yeah, yeah. Just very luckily for me. So my wait was, I think it was, it was about a year. Yeah. So you've had first, obviously, you've had your first appointment. Have you had your second one? I had my first one. Um, I had my second one in March the following year. Right. Um, so nine months later, um, where they agreed with the first one and. I was then punted over to the endocrinology team who yeah. I saw a couple of months after that, Dr. Mm -hmm. Seal. And I've been on little pink pills or patches rather in my case um, ever since. So they, they obviously got in touch with your GP and gave them the green light yeah, for the shared care treatment. stuff. My, yeah. I mean, my, G, my GP was fine. I mean, she yeah, said to me beforehand, yeah, yeah. she said, if they tell me what to give you, I will give it to you. Yeah. If they need blood tests or whatnot else, I'll do them and all the rest of it. She said, there'll be no problem with you there. She said, I'm not willing, though, to just prescribe the stuff to you without getting the diagnosis of gender dysphoria from them and them yeah. telling me what you need to be issued. So because you had a relatively easy passage through the GIC stages, yeah. I guess you didn't use, you didn't have to use a private clinic um, anymore. Well, I, I did go and see um, Dr. Lauren at Gendercare in right, the okay. autumn of 2018. Yeah. Because at that point, I didn't know how long the next wait for the second appointment at Charing right. Cross was going yeah. to be. So you, so you you were kind of doing both at the same time, like a lot of people Yeah. Do. So so I went to see him, and I told my GP she, I was doing this, and she was all on board and all the rest of it. And my plan was just to get bridging hormones out of him, yeah. just enough to stop yeah. the noise, Yeah. if you like. So I went to see him, and did the, um, the, the usual initial assessment, if you like, and all the rest of it. And he said, yeah. okay, and they did that. He said, well, I'm pleased to tell you, he said, but you've got gender dysphoria and we can help you. I said, okay, he said, what happens now? And he said, well, what happens now? He says, I'll write a report which you'll get. We'll then make an appointment to see Dr. Seal privately, who can then sort hormones out and all the rest of it. Yeah. And I said, ah, there's no chance of getting bridging hormones today if there. you do it a prescription. He said he can. He said I can, but you still need to have the blood test done and all the rest of it. Right. I said, well, funnily enough, I said to him, and I pulled out of my bag blood tests which were taken a week earlier. Yeah. My GP to already organised. Right. So there you go. So I pulled that out. I pulled the initial diagnosis form that I'd had from the GIC out and showed him that. So he had two diagnoses of gender dysphoria. And he just took, he just looked at me and said, you're the first person who's ever played, pulled out blood results on their first appointment to see me privately. <laughs> I said, right. He said, well, he said, well, now I'll be more than happy to issue you with, he said, he had a look at the numbers. And he said, he said, okay, he said, they're within the baseline, but I can give you bridging hormones. I said, great. Brilliant. And he said, biggest problem now is, have I got any prescription pads with me? <laughs> And so That's the least of worries, really. He, he, was, he was literally ferreting through his briefcase <laughs> and uh, <laughs> found one. Excellent. Excellent. And That's so, all we need. 
Yeah, that's it. So I had bridging hormones very quickly. Brilliant. They were such a low dose. I'm not sure they actually did it. Yeah, they do anyway. start you off pretty low, don't they? And then kind of build it up over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was very low. So, so I mean, you know, that was, that was back in what? I guess like you'd be in what? 20, end that, of 2018 that, now? Yeah, it was like, that was late 2018. So then so you've come, just been ticking over since then, I guess. Um, well, I've seen I've seen Doctor Seal in 2018 after I had my second appointment with the gig. Well, I then had yeah. an appointment to go see Doctor Seal. That was back in the summer of 2018, I think it was. Was it earlier? That might have been earlier. And yeah, I've been on the uh, the, the tablets and the meds ever since. Yeah. Um, we did have the one. <clears throat> one complication where he'd had Dr. Seal had handwritten a note for my GP of what to prescribe. I went back to see Dr. Seal back in the summer of 2018. Yeah. And he he did all the usual questions and all the rest of it. And said, okay, he said, I'll uh, with the shared cred paperwork's already been sorted out with your GP. He said, I'll write you a note now for your GP for what she needs to get ordered for you. And uh, what blood tests and all the rest of it, and good luck with your journey. Yeah, fabulous. So that was all well and good. So I saw my GP the following day, gave her the letter, she said, excellent, and she produced a prescription. And it took several, and of course, over the next few months, I had several lots of blood tests done, which were then sent back to the GIC. And they've come back going, these numbers are just completely wrong. And eventually we worked out, but. Um, my doctor couldn't read Dr. Seal's handwriting. <laughs> so you weren't getting the right doctor's handwriting for quantities. you. Yeah, I, I can see the irony in it, but it effectively held things back, if you like, for yeah. about another four or five months till it got sorted out, something like that. So, I mean, it, it does take a while to... Mistakes like that. Happen. Yeah, but I mean, it does take a while to get your levels to a, where you'd like to have them you know I've, I've been through a lot of well it takes a while to get ups them, and downs with the numbers. right but I was taking nothing yeah. like the amount of dosage I should have been taking right yeah so yeah that doesn't help does it so eventually you know you, you, you they up the dosage yeah. and you get to you get the numbers where you, where you where they need to be which yeah can take a while to do that yeah I mean yeah the dosage has been where it should be for about a year now yeah, which which I'm happy with. My mind is properly settled, thank goodness. Um, yeah, my physical stuff is happening. Yeah, um, it's all fabulous. I'm just waiting for a surgical sign off. To be quite honest. Yeah. Now, is that is that that'll be whenever you having to wait for again with the GIC? You know, you've you've got past um, the initial two appointments, and you've got all your meds in place and then i guess you're just on a waiting I've list had now, the first two appointments i've had the first i've had the first surgical sign off um i had an appointment with the gig last summer during lockdown yeah. um for what should have been my second surgical sign off and at that point they were not doing sign offs because right. of the covid situation so you yeah. said look so you're we the do the sign off it's only valid for so long mm. um she said we're going to have to make your wait she said, there's no point doing it now because the um, urology team just weren't taking weren't taking bookings at that time. Yeah. So it's just a matter of waiting. Um, the COVID situation is what it is. I'm relatively sanguine about it all. Yeah. So you just kind of waiting I, for that when they start up again. I, I'm not yeah. sure of that I think they probably already um, have. 
Yeah, I know they're doing. Down. I know they're doing private surgeries already. I'm not sure that they're all yeah, doing them. They've probably got. They've probably got a fair backlog. It will get sorted yeah, out. Yeah, I can um, imagine. Thank, thankfully, I'm. I mean, I'm of the view, but due to the annual leave thing and all the rest of it, I've gone through Gick as far as I have. Yeah, a lot quicker than most people do. Um, so you you content you contently waiting. Design. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm fairly ambivalent about downstairs anyway. Right. Um, yeah. It'll get dealt with when it gets dealt with. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Have you have you ever been involved in any trans pride events, or have you considered going to any mm -hmm. of those? No, I've not been down to Brighton or to Sparkle or some such. Um, various things for one reason or the other, moaning around mental health and mm. stuff like that have just stopped me from going. I went to the local the local Pride event um, a couple of years back, and that was that was kind of okay. But to be quite honest, you bump into other people and all the rest of it, and you go. Hello, my name's Claire. I'm trans. Hello, my name's Frida. I'm trans too. That's yeah. nice, lovely. Ah, <laughs> um, yeah. It just seemed all a little bit fake and artificial, that sort of stuff. And so, um, like I went to, to I went to the Pride Trans Pride event with mm. Jess and Nooms in 2019, and it, it was it was very. It was very overwhelming. It was the first one I've been to. Um, so you, you kind of you're bumping into people that you've known online, and but you can't quite remember the name, and you know you, you kind of okay, I know your face, but I can't quite know what your name is, or your or your Twitter handle is not the same as your name. So it, it's a bit kind of overwhelming and confusing. But the actual yeah. the actual day of the march is is fab, and the you know it finishes in a big kind of park where there's lots of stands and food hall food things and you know it's quite it's it's fun and yeah. you know there's there's evening entertainment in the local in the local bar where they all meet up mm. um so yeah i mean if you're doing it with people you know i mean it's kind of fun because yeah. you because you, you got someone to talk to you got some things to do go shopping well, during quite. the day and that kind of stuff but yeah if you're on your own doing it it's probably not as like yeah. you say can I'm, be a bit at the strange. moment if there were an event, I'd probably end up going on my own. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, I don't know if this year we're going to have a Trans Brighton event. Um, maybe, who knows? But yeah, if, if, there's, if there's an opportunity, maybe come along and be great to meet up and. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll see. Yeah. I'll be a bit organised about it. Yeah, I mean, we don't really know what's going on at the moment with COVID and Pride events because no. a lot of them are still cancelled even this year. Yeah, I mean the Canterbury one has now been booked for September. Yeah, I think the later the ones later in the year, Canterbury, and maybe there's one in Bristol, a trans one. That's I think that's in October, yeah. so those might go ahead. But yeah. I think anything yeah. in June, July is probably a bit too late. Yeah. I mean no. the Canterbury one is usually in July, but they've got they they announced the earlier today, yeah. but they booked it for yeah. September. So I wonder if I wonder if Brighton could postpone theirs to later in the year and still do it. That would be an interesting idea. Who knows? They have lots of stuff going on at Brighton. All this yeah, they do. I mean, they've got the main Pride event, which is a month later anyway, so it would have to not clash with that. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? But yeah, it would be great to see you at one of these future events at some point. Yeah. I'm sure we'll meet one day. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been it's been fab having you on, 
Claire. We've had a really good discussion. Got into a lot of interesting things there. Mm. So I have um, one final question for you, and I think you know what it might be. It's to do oh, with the end of podcast jingle. Everybody gets choice. And the choice is a goat, a cow, or a trumpet thrump. I'll go for a goat. Everybody goes for the goat. <laughs> the goat is number one in the oh. uh, popularity charts. <laughs> oh, right. Um, that I hadn't realised. Yeah. It, it, I don't know why the goat's popular, but the goat is popular. So a oh, goat, well, it, well, a goat uh, it will well, be. Uh, Unless you want to change it. No, no, no. Goat, goat. It is. It's kind goat of. Goat it is. Okay. No, it's it's got it's got to be the goat for me because at work on my desk in the office I have a book on goat husbandry. <laughs> I, I I kid you. I kid you not. Um, I jokingly said to uh, one of my colleagues. Once, one of my colleagues once said to me, "When you get interrupted, how do you reset your head?" And I sat there and said something flippant like, "Oh, I think about goats." And he went, oh, right, okay, and wandered off, scratching his head, looking at me like I'm an idiot. And so that prompted me to go straight away onto Amazon or some such and buy a book on goat husbandry, secondhand. Wow. And this now lives on my desk at work. Well, and it's in, prominent, it's in prominent view of anybody who comes in my office. <laughs> and as soon as they clock it, it completely throws them. It's great. That's amazing. I mean, so the goat's the perfect choice for you. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I've got reason. No, I mean, a lot of people have come out with similar stories about goats. It's, it's funny. It's like, you know, I can think of at least three people who chose a goat for a specific reason. It's, it's quite funny. Oh, yeah. How odd. How odd. Very odd. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank, thank you again. And uh, hopefully, thank you. We'll see you soon and we can uh, meet up and uh, yeah. have, a, have another chat and maybe a drink or something. Yeah. So yeah. look forward cup, to doing that. Cup of tea would be good. Cup of tea, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I shall I shall officially sign us off and uh, talk to you soon. Okay. okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.